Welcome to The Clean Slate, a podcast where we chat about facilities management, commercial cleaning, and keeping the working world safe, clean, efficient, and free from risk. I'm your host, Trista Sobek. Hello, and welcome to The Clean Slate. This is a modern facilities management podcast where we talk about all things facilities management, including community and getting buy-in and how you work with the people in your building and the people outside of the building, which is the community at large. So I just want to give a little housekeeping update. At OpenWorks, we recently did a webinar with Olivia LaRue, who is a consultant at IBM. She talked about total cost of ownership uh, when it comes to your facility and some some ways to gauge your appetite for risk when it comes to going outsource or insource for your vendors. So we ask for you to check that out on our website and we'll link to that in the show notes. So that's what we've been up to. But I want to get to our guest today. Uh, We have Ikeon Matthews, who is a facility director at the International School Court of Spain in Trinidad, Tobago. And she's also uh, very active in IFMA. So we welcome her today, and she has a big job because she has to deal with children and parents and everybody in the community giving her ideas on how she should run her facility. Uh, We know how uh, the academic world can be, so there's a lot of things to consider there. So I want to ask, open this up with an interesting question. What is the first thing you did today in your job capacity? Oh, hello, Trista. And I'm so delighted to be here on this podcast with OpenWorks. That's an interesting question. And our day goes so quickly, I had to think about it. So um, the first thing I did was actually before I arrived at work, I'm part of a community. um, I'm on a community, a committee that is dealing with some road construction that is close to my school that needed to arrange some traffic diversion. So that would have impacted people's access, parents and students' access to my facility during pickup and drop-off. So the the diversion of the traffic meant that we had to go through a, a traffic light signal. When I got to the signal, the signal was not working. So I had to actually call the project, the government's project managers who are in charge of the construction and say, hey, this needs to be looked at because it's a safety issue from crossing from one end of the highway to the other. And I, you know, it will be a safety issue for our families. So that was one of the first thing, even before I arrived at work, I had to do to make sure that issue is corrected and we'll be all safe on the roads. Right. Um, I have a child and I understand how that drop off and pick up time is a very crazy time. So and making sure that the children are very safe um, when it comes to traffic. So amazing that you had to deal with that first thing in the morning. <laughs> so let's get into it a little bit. Let's talk about um, all the the job functions you actually have at your school. So you mentioned you do procurement, you do grants, you run events, um, PTA, so uh, the gamut. So can you talk a little bit about how you manage to juggle and handle all the vendors that you work with? So, yes, I do handle all things FM, facilities management at my school. 
um, from pest control to janitorial to ensuring the um, air conditions are working uh, to all the community events that involves the PTO or students, the student clubs, um, and also large capital projects. Um, so at, at various stages, it includes outsourcing to our vendors and having a strong relationship with our vendors. I see our vendors um, as an extension of my department. Um, they help us to do what we need to do on the job in terms of the expertise and the skills and the services that they provide. So it has to be a very strong and a very strategic partnership that I have with my vendors. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of collaboration that happens between my vendor and myself. We have to be very clear on all the, the, um, you know, the objectives for the day and what needs to be addressed, what's happening around the school that they need to be aware of that will impact their ability to serve us, um, what event is happening that they need to support, um, is the air conditioning working in that area? So it is really a strategic partnership that we need to have as FMs with our um, with our vendors that we we outsource to provide to provide that support on a day to day basis. Oh, fantastic! So when I talked to you earlier, you had mentioned that, and I love this word. You have to create a very bespoke kind of strategy where you're you're picking from here and you're picking from there. So it's very uniquely centered to you and your needs. What advice would you give to other facility managers and directors when they decide they want to create something like that unique for their building, not just going in source, but creating from all these different places? What advice would you give? First is acknowledging what I said before, that our vendors are strategic partners in delivering the objectives of our school. There is no one size fits all. That concept is really a myth. A school is a very special and a unique thing that has its own special priorities that may not exist in a corporate environment. So you have to have a, a very close and, and clear understanding of what the expectations and the unique nature of a school is in terms of being able to deliver the service that you want to provide. So when you, um, a lot of uh, vendors may have very good best practices and procedures and policy around what the services they provide, but it has to be able to translate and fit into the needs and the priorities of the school. So, you know, sometimes you go to a garment shop and you say, they say the size is one size fits all. We know, we know that sometimes when you put on the garment, something is always a little bit off. Either there's an area that's too slack or too, slight, too tight. It doesn't fit exactly right. So what you want is that exact, that exactness, that fit that needs to come from with collaborating with your vendors. And as FMs, we need to be clear on that. What, what are our needs? What are our priorities? What are our expectations of our vendors to ensure that it's tailor-made and intentional? So for a school, because we have um, children around our facilities and learning and um, teaching and learning happening throughout the day, there's certain things that just can't be done during the typical school day because it can be disruptive. So in engaging with your vendor, they have to be um, quite understanding of that. In addition to that, you have a situation where um, adults are working around children and that's 
there are protocols and uh, surrounding how adults should relate to children that they're around that will ensure the safety and well-being of children. So the whole aspect of child protection must be built into that relationship. What does that mean? I actually, I actually would seek to, as a facility manager, training my vendors and every single vendor who's on site, I call them my resident vendors. Um, <laughs> so they would be trained on child protection practices and policies at the school and how to treat with those instances, whether they have observed something or even in their interactions with the children. So for school safety and health, health and safety is extremely um, important as well. So are their practices um, aligned with the standards that would will maintain a safe and healthy and secure environment for our students? So every single vendor, uh, um, company, every employee is screened. They must have a clearance certificate of um, police certificate to be able to even engage to, gain access to our building um they must be um so be, beyond understanding the, the needs of my school they need to understand the context and what is what is priority and what is important for us as a school and be on board in that um so yes so it has to be um tailor-made specific to the requirements and need of the school and that must be built have a shared understanding of that so if there's an emergency in a school, so it's in interrupting teaching and learning. A 48-hour response may work well in a corporate environment, may work well, but in a school, it's so critical. Teaching and learning is not uh, disrupted at any point in time, so the response time needs to be what would be uh, suitable for, for our environment. So those little things, it, it, it's, it's uh, very, very important um, right. in terms of establishing that relationship with a vendor. Right, right. Um, I totally hear that because things could happen in the middle of the day that you're just not prepared for and you need somebody to take that stress off you so you can continue with what you're doing and they can get to the problem. I know OpenWorks, um, I, was, I was getting some research on how we attend to our schools and, you know, there have been times where there's been a school where they needed laundry done. Uh, so they reached out to the serv service provider and yes, no problem, you know, within two hours or, or whatever it was, just a text away or, you know, through technology. Yes, we will be there to do the, the laundry so you don't have to worry about it because there was an event that night or something where the kids needed a costume. Um, so little things like that, I think, are so important. Um, so how do you how do you manage those expectations? Do you have standing meetings with your vendors um, you had you bring them in, you know, like, how are we doing this week or monthly? Yeah, we have, uh, we have regular check-ins with our vendors. We ensure that they're at the table, especially if we have large projects happening. We ensure that they are able to give us their expertise and understanding of what will be best for our school in that situation. So we do have regular meetings, especially around understanding the delivery of the service how is this going to actually roll out and how does that in terms pack on the operation so we do a risk assessment with our vendors to ensure that it's not disruptive um that it will have no um safe uh, that it's safe and it's um there are no potential risk for injury or loss or damage 
um, we ensure that um, costs are on on check because you want to make sure you don't get into those areas where it's cost overruns and you, you know the scope is changing every week. So we have to keep in constant communication with our vendors to ensure that we are they're meeting the targets that were set. We agree, first of all, agree on those targets. They're meeting those targets. And if there are any problems that arise throughout the duration of the service, that we are always accessible and ready to come up with solutions on the go. Because most times it's, there isn't um, much time for delay when you're dealing in a school environment. The response time has to be very, very quick in terms of ensuring that there's no disruption. So yes, regular meetings um, with the vendors is very important. Um, knowing that they are there to create value for us um, as FMs, um, it's important that they understand what the expectations are and also how we can support them as vendors to deliver the services that they are agreeing to provide for us. Right. It sounds like almost every day is a is a production, right? Yes. Uh, is a production as in like a movie or a play, yes. you know, everybody in their spots, everybody ready. Um, so I think that that is, that's really interesting. Um, can you tell me what was your, do you have a biggest challenge or something that you look back on in your career as a facility director, manager um, that you think about and you're like, oh, that was a, that was pretty big. And I overcame that. Thank you for asking that. We've had a situation in the past where we had this huge capital project where the school, the goal of the school was to um, improve its athletics and fine arts curriculum. And to do that, they needed to exp we needed to expand our facilities to support the delivery of that curriculum in terms of athletics and drama and art and things like that. We had to hire a consulting team to build a fine arts theater with a 300 seat theater, with art rooms, sound area, dance room, music rooms, using an existing space. Um, there was, there was uh, so we had to have everyone on the table, not only the vendors involved, the architects, the, the engineers, we also had to have the teachers who will be the occupants who are the end users, the occupants who will be using the space on the table to map out every detail of what would be required to make the space um, fit for purpose in terms of the delivery of the fine arts curriculum. And we had some issues in terms of translating our needs with the vendor, some one or two of the vendors on the table. And we had to overcome you know, some challenges in terms of understanding that scope, understanding what the needs are for that project. And it really took some extra doing in terms of communicating those needs to ensure that the project would stay on target without cost of overruns and that they will deliver the final product that we were looking for that will meet the needs of the school. So sometimes we have to have hard conversations with our vendors if they're not quite getting what what we what we want to see in terms of the delivery of their services and um, and in some cases make some hard decisions about wh whether the vendor can continue with the project or not and we've had to make some hard decisions surrounding that if they just weren't able to deliver for some reason or not um, 
Yeah. But ultimately, you got it built. We got it built. It's you all got occupied. It. It's one of our proud. We are very proud of the space, this 300 seat theater, and what we're doing. And you also have to maintain that, right? As and well, we also so have you have to a maintain staff. Not, not only the space, but the equipment. Um, and you know, every event we're right now putting on a, a Beauty and the Beast production, so we're getting ready for that. Um, yeah, so the challenges do exist, but. I think with communication, most of the times it can be resolved, um, but also they, they must be, you know, very clear and hard, sometimes hard conversations about how do we move forward and how can okay. we, we be on the same page to get the goals and the objectives of the school and the, the building achieved. So then the vendor has to be laser light focused on your mission and what yes. you're trying and be able to kind of, you know, navigate with you. As Correct. A you have to be able to pivot. They need to be able to have, be on the same page. Um, at the end of the day, the objective is to be in alignment with our the goals and objectives with our companies, our various companies. We do have a responsibility, um, but we want to reach to some sort of shared understanding, mutual agreement as to how we move forward um, so that we both feel that we're achieving the objectives that we're set at the end of the day. Uh, one other thing I'd like to get into a little bit is this idea of community. I know we touched on it in the beginning of our conversation with the outside community, but you have to build a community within your school with the children. And one thing that um, I think a lot of, if we look at a property manager of a luxury apartment, they're trying to build community in order to get those higher higher rents that they're looking for there has to be value add for living there right so kind of just looking at like you have to please children property managers have to please their uh, residents so what would what would your recommendation be for starting to build a community what does that look like where do you start yeah i, I love that question i think first of all having a knowledge and understanding of who is part of your community who are the, the constituents and what are their specific needs? And to do that, you need to have some sort of con engagement connection um, with your community. For, for us, we have established a close uh, communication with our various stakeholders, whether it's the PTO, whether it's the student club leaders, uh, you know, external community members who want to use our facility we must have some sort of um, direct and intentional engagement with our community members to ensure that we understand what their expectations are and how to deliver them and, and make them part of the process, make them part of the process. So, okay, we, we want to ensure that we have an event that brings the entire community together. How can we make this happen? So it's not being done in isolation of the input of the community members, but the community members are part of that process of, of building that community that they want to see, that vibrant community they want to see. So getting that information, feedback from the community is very important about what are their expectations and partnering with them to make those, uh, to make those things, those, you know, to address the issues and also to create that vibrancy within the community. It's important to get your the feedback from them directly yeah because when people feel that they're part of a decision yeah. or a process there's there's more likely to be 
buy-in, right? Yeah, adoption. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, one of the things I wanted to talk about you specifically is your um, involvement with IFMA and uh, education and keeping your career path moving. Uh, We have some service providers here who go through very very rigorous, um, training, you know, with dealing with, um, you know, bloodborne pathogens and security and some of the things you mentioned and making sure they're following standards. But, um, how do you, how do you recommend people go above and beyond to keep growing their career forward in facilities management? Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, the international facility management association has a suite of programs to support lifelong learning in the FM profession. So wherever you are on your career path, you could be just starting out, they have the essentials of facility management. And you can, what is so wonderful about our FM profession is you can start anywhere and become an FM. I started, I always say all roads lead to FM. I started off as an HR professional and here I am in FM. That's because the IFMA has crafted and designed um, programs that are, that really focus on what the needs of the professions are, the best practices. Um, there are 11 competencies that an FM professional should have, and they have programs surrounding those 11 competencies that you can learn from, as, a, as I said before, as someone who's new in the profession, or wants to continue learning and growing um, in the profession to ensure that we remain relevant and that we can provide the, the needs of our service, the needs of the, 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 the uh, stakeholders within our built environment. So to, to start off, you can have the essentials of FM, uh, where you learn the basic, uh, the basic concepts around what FM is um, and how operations and maintenance work programs, and then how also you have FMP, the Facility Management Professional um, Certification, which includes four modules, project, you can learn project management, operations and maintenance, you can learn leadership and strategy, finance and business, so you cover all the very critical areas of FM. And if you want to go on beyond that, there's also the Certified Facility Management professional credential cfm and with that you can add that credential to your name because you would have learned all 11 competencies from communication technology sustainability uh you know all the human factors that are engaging um the that are engaging a built environment as it relates to occupants needs so you can actually get on board in terms of all the best practices and all the relevant information and that is available to be able to deliver and perform well on your job. So there is something for everyone um, with the IFMA credentials. And we have found a lot of companies have um, engaged, um, given their staff that opportunity to gain that learning and that knowledge so that they can understand the best practices to be able to perform well on the job and keep our buildings running efficiently and our occupants happy and well um, as they do their jobs. Right. Because one thing that's not going away is buildings like right now. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we exactly. have so many buildings and people Ex- going 
in and out of our buildings. So, Mm -hmm. um, well, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. I think it was really important uh, to talk about safety and security and community and building that community and the role that facility managers can play in all that. Uh, Do you have anything to add? Oh, no, I, I would just like to applaud my FM colleagues out there for the work that you do day in, day out to keep our occupants safe, to keep our occupants well, and to keep um, keep moving forward with regards to contributing to business success. Um, I know that you care about what you do, and um, there is support out there that you can help you along with your, your profession, to grow in your profession. Yes, there's an entire community of yes. people <laughs> out here supporting you. So yeah. thank you so much, Akian, um, in talking to us about community, building community, and um, how we can provide that that instrumental role in keeping keeping people together to work together uh, to to one aim and one mission. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. I appreciate You're your welcome. time. Thank you so much for having me. Super special thanks to our guest, Akian Matthews, who is facility director of the International School Port of Spain in Trinidad, Tobago, sharing with us her main mission and goal, which is to keep her constituents happy, which are children and parents. So that involves a lot of security and a lot of communication. If you're interested in reaching out to Akian, we will have her information in the show notes on the blog at www openworksweb.com. We thank her very much for being a part of our community. 